day to day, it would be nice to say that we always trust God. Because we know the Bible and Philippians tells us that all things work together for good. But there are times, you know it and I know it, when you, you, you're asking yourself, how could this possibly be good? And how in the world am I going to rise above this situation when I'm right in the middle of it? When I've been diagnosed with cancer, I have some physical problems. When I have a spouse who wants to leave me and runs off with someone else. When I have kids that just completely leave us, walk away, how do you rise above it? So I'm going to Bible college, and I've shared this testimony before. I'm going to Bible college. I'd been away from God for a year, attempted to take my life at 19 years old, was actually a senior in Bible college, got away from God because they ran out of money, went, went out to the world thinking that, you know, I'll get a job, I'll work hard, and I'll go back to Bible college. But while I was out there, none of my Christian friends, not a single person, came after me. So I drifted further and further, a little bit at a time. My parents threw me out of my house, uh, my home that I lived in growing up because I used some laundry soap. My mom said, you need to learn to pay for your own stuff. I got thrown out, had to find an apartment I've shared before. It's where a prostitute actually lived prior to me, she had a calendar. So every night guys would come knock, beating on the door, just beating down the door and I'd be scared out of my mind. I'm a senior in Bible college, now I'm thrust from that whole world into the world of all kinds of different things, where drug addicts live, where, where prostitutes ring. I had no TV, I had no phone, there was no such thing as cell phone. I shared before, I had 8-track tapes in my car, those big clunky tapes, and I had all my Three Dog Night in Chicago and all the music I liked. One day I came down to go to work, and somebody had broken my window in on the passenger side and taken my track player and my 8-track player, and all of my, my tapes were gone, and I, I sat down on the sidewalk and I said, God, how could it get any worse? but I was about to. It was a long time away from God, month after month, just searching for answers, barely existing. There are some people in the room this morning that are barely existing. You've lost your joy, you've lost your hope, you've lost focus, and you're pretty sure that you don't have any real destination in mind. And so you, by God's sovereign plan, came into the room this morning because God has something to say to you. There is hope. You can get your joy back. You can rise above it all. A year away, 19 years old, and I couldn't think of anything more often than I did about taking my life. And I've shared it, that I went to church one morning, I woke my buddies up after drinking that night, got up and, and decided to go to church, and I went to this little country church, and it was the lamest message you could ever imagine. I never for one second since God was there. And I was crying the whole time, and I just said, I got to go. And I just got up and left, and got in my car, and just decided I, I, I've, lost, I've lost all mental clarity whatsoever. I'm so depressed. I'm so discouraged. I can't make it. And I was going to run my car off the road, and I've shared it. And by, 
by God's grace, I stopped because I knew there's some Christians that lived way back that long driveway, that gravel driveway. I grew up on a farm. I knew there were Christians that lived there. I stopped my car and I sat crying and I backed it up and I went down their long driveway. It's Sunday morning. They were church going people and they were not there. I'd never been there before. I saw a screen door. I figured it's open because farmers don't lock their houses. I went in and sat at the kitchen table and I just cried and cried and cried and cried. I'm in somebody else's house. But God knew it was the exact house that I was supposed to go to. And I cried and cried, and they came home, and they were dressed up like Christian Reformed people would be when they go to church. Suit the tie, the whole works. And they came in, and I just said, I'm sorry to be in your house, but I don't know where to go. Have you ever in your life felt like you were so destitute you had no idea where to go? You were just so lost. Your life was so messed up. And I know to this day, and so people... I, I'm emphatic about this. God will only let you as a believer go so far, and then he'll let you self-destruct. He's after you. The old farmer came in, and I just cried and said, I don't want to live anymore. There's nothing in life. I have no money. I have a beater of a car. I really want to be in Bible college and finish. I was a senior. And he just said, God will take you back right now. God will take you back. You've got to believe this. God will take you back. God loves you. He doesn't care about your sin. If there's anything to get across today, it's this. God is not interested in your sin. He's interested in your relationship with him. Little did I know, my Bible college that I went to wouldn't take me back, and so I was suggested by some friends to try this other Bible college, and I knew it was just like Hicksville, not Hipsville, Hicksville. Oh, my gosh, it was so strange. I had hair down my back, and I had to stop and get my hair cut once I got right with God before I went to my parents because my parents wouldn't accept anything less than a cold head. And so I shaved all my hair off in Minneapolis, went home. My mom was pretty gracious. By then, she realized it's stupid. Listen, people, it is stupid to tell your kid that they can't use your laundry soap and you would let that divide you. Really? But she was loving. My Bible college wouldn't let me come back. They said, we've heard the kind of life you're living. No, you may not come back. So I contacted this other Bible college, and I went there. I got there, and I was really, because they're very, very conservative. My wife can tell you. Very, right, honey? Oh, my gosh. You couldn't talk to a girl before noon. Couldn't what? Oh, my God. It's, I won't even go into it all. And so the president of the Bible college, who actually was later in my wedding, president of the Bible college, sees me in the main building. I'm brand new to this college, and I'm like, okay, I don't want to be here, but I'm, I'm serving God no matter what. I'm finishing. I'm going into ministry. And he calls me in his office. Brother Peterson, is not your name? I said, it is. He always fixes his glasses like this. Brother Peterson. You need to just go downtown to this little barber shop. Sign right on the window. You are next. You are next. That should tell you don't go to that barber shop. <laughs> go down and get your hair cut. And I thought, God, I'm just trying to live for you. I'm not drinking anymore. I'm not partying anymore. I'm not doing any of that stuff. And this guy's concerned about how short my hair is. 
How stupid. But if you don't think for one second that the devil will destroy you over anything, you don't understand his tactics. I went to this little Bible college, and God had it all planned that I should even be away from God so that one day I would find my wife, Becky, and would marry her. And I've shared it many times. I'm sitting in chapel. The chairs go all the way across the chapel, and it's all alphabetized, and I'm sitting in the P row, Peterson. And she's in the LMN row. And I'm kind of right behind her. And I um, get, you know, I, we're talking and stuff. She was, she was after me. And <laughs> she goes. And so we started talking and stuff. And I to started talking about her parents. She said her dad was a pastor. And, that, and she had a picture of her mom. And she handed it back. And I said, this is not your mom. This is a joke. Talk about sticking your foot in your mouth. Because her head was caved in. Because she had had that brain surgery that I've talked about. And when she had the surgery, they didn't realize that they cut one of the nerves wrong and it paralyzed her on her right side for life. So she was confined. And I, I shared this just a few weeks ago. She had to be carried everywhere. Everywhere. She had to be dressed. She had to. When I think of rising, I think about rising above the chains that have held you down. And so I know it's a secular song, but this matches what I'm talking about. I think she has it. You don't? Okay. I'm not going to sing it for you, though. Rise up. Well, lo and behold, if miracles don't happen. You're broken down and tired. You have the video? Living life on the merry go round. It's no good without the video. Stop the tape. You have to have the video. Is it there? Okay, so I'll fake it. Are you good? Video just was so appropriate for my life. Because right now you're going through something in your life and you think, you know, I don't know, but this just, to me, this seems like chains. It's like it's got me chained. The devil just has me chained to something. Maybe a failed marriage, maybe kids that have gone astray. Maybe a pregnancy out of wedlock, maybe abortion that you had, who, who knows. But you're chained to something, and, and you have to live with it every single day because it imprisons you. You so wish that you could break the chains, and it doesn't happen. Just tell me when you have the video, okay? I'm good, but not that good. Stories told of a zoo that was noted for their great collection of different animals. And one day, the gorilla died. And so they didn't know what to do. So the guy that runs the zoo decided he would hire somebody to wear a gorilla outfit and just hang out in the gorilla cage and everybody would think everything was fine. 
He's practicing being the gorilla, and he's growling and everything in one day. He falls, and he falls right into the lion pit display. And he's screaming at the top of his lungs when all of a sudden the lion speaks. It says, don't say another word or we'll both lose our job. <laughs> you know, you know that the truth of the matter is we're more alike than different. We Aren't we? Are you following me? We're more alike than different. If we give each other just a little tiny bit of space, just a little bit of leeway, we would find that we're far more alike than we are different, but all of us are hurting. Yes, 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 yes. It is true. Everyone is hurting in a different way because they're dealing with different circumstances. Got it? Geez, forget the stupid thing. Queen Mary was the largest ship the oceans had when it was launched in 1936. If you've ever been to Long Beach, California, you know this. The Queen Mary is parked there. And what they've done is they've taken all of the other stuff off the ship and made it into a basically a hotel, a tourist thing that you can go see. When my family was out there years ago, we went there. But when they were refurbishing it and changing it over to be a hotel, they took the three smokestacks off of the top of the Queen Mary and set them carefully down on the sidewalk, but they shattered in a million pieces all over the sidewalk. And they discovered this, that the half-inch plated steel that made the smokestacks had about 30 coats of paint on it, and that's the only thing that was holding it together. You know? You know, the, you know how this works? It's like this. We have become masters at painting ourselves so that people will accept us. Painting over all the stuff. Painting in such a way that nobody knows what's really going underneath, on underneath, and your world is crumbling apart. I'm going to skip the video completely. Just forget it. I want to ask you this question this morning. What is your joy chained to? What is your joy chained to? The proverb, the writer of Proverbs said, for a just man falls seven times and rises up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. I know a lot of people that have been, have gone to jail or prison. In 44 years of ministry, you're going to actually meet a lot of people who've either been to jail or been to prison that come across your path. And the, the thing that I realized more than anything else one day when I was in Ionia, which is not that far from here, at the prison there, I realized this. Most of the people there were repeat offenders. And most of them were young. And I'm sitting in the room, and the guards are watching you very closely so that you don't hand anything to the person you're visiting. I'm sitting in the room, and I'm thinking to myself, what a huge waste of life. Correct? What a huge, huge, huge waste of life. People get chained to something that destroys their entire life. And they continue to trip over the same stuff. 
I read this last week, shared it last week also. Alignment will always determine your assignment. One of the things that I've found is this, that who you align with will definitely determine your future. Would you agree? Who are your friends? Who are the people that you allow to speak into your life? Those people are making more impact than you realize. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. You know where you were when God found you and saved you. So I wrote a little maturity test for today. Think about your life when you hear this. How will I know I'm a, when I'm a mature Christian? Many people have been saved for multiple, multiple years, but I would consider they're still babies. They keep going through the same cyclical patterns. First of all, when our concern for others outweighs our concern for ourselves, then we know that we're mature. Secondly, when we detect the presence of evil or danger before it's even obvious, sign of maturity. Third, when we have wisdom and understanding as well as knowledge, because knowledge alone will puff you up. But when you have wisdom and understanding, you learn to control your mouth and you learn to control your attitudes and actions. Fourth, when our awareness of needs is matched by our compassion and involvement. You can know that somebody has a need and do nothing about it. The mature person will step into action. When we have the willingness to change, once we are convicted that correction is in order. Somebody may need to correct you, but you have to be willing to accept the correction in order to grow. When we have the ability to grow spiritually by an independent intake of God's word. I don't even know how people make it a single day without the word of God. They don't start their day with God's word and they wonder why their, their life is crumbling. Crumbling. They have the wrong attitude during the day. I guarantee you there are people that need physical healing in this room. A lot of people. But they tell themselves every day, it's not going to happen. I can't be healed. It's not happening. It's not happening. It's not happening. And God would want to change your attitude because with God, all things are possible. I didn't say it. God says it. Is that not true? You have to believe before you can receive. And you want to receive and then believe. You're not getting what you're praying for because you don't believe. And when balance replaces extremes or when good choices replace bad ones. I had a friend contacted me yesterday. His mugshot was online this week. He goes here and he's a dear friend. So I texted him and I said, are you in jail? He texted me back almost immediately. No. I said, your mugshot's online. Oh, that was from, I said, it's a good picture, by the way. And then he said, ha ha, that was from back, back here. He was in jail. And now he's wearing a tether and a breathalyzer on his vehicle. I'm going to tell you something. All, all, all 
of the alcohol commercials out there and all the partying stuff you see on TV and all the movies and everything, that all makes you think that is the happy life. And I'm here to tell you this. It's the sad life. It is deceitful in every possible way. You know what the happy life is? The holy life. Not perfect. It's not perfect. Your, your life will never be perfect. You're tempted to quit because you'll think I'm telling you to be perfect. I'm not telling you you can't be perfect without Christ. With Christ, you already declared perfect. You stop trying so difficultly to, to appease everyone else. So my text is found in verses 13 to 18. You're saying, you're just getting to your text now. Oh, gosh. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but how much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you will shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. When I prepare my messages, and as I was studying last night, I was thinking about the kids that will be in the room this morning that are much like me when I was young. When is he going to get done? This is so boring. When is he going to get done so we can go eat? I hope you're still listening. I want you to see three simple things this morning in order to rise. You've got to rise above. Above, within, and beyond. You have to rise. You have to let this thing inside of you, this Christ that lives inside of you as a Christian, you have to rise above your circumstances. Rise above all the chatter and gossip. Rise above demeaning your neighbor, your friends, and your pastors. Rise above your pettiness. Rise above your unforgiving spirit. Rise above your anger, because that's what verses 127, or chapter 127 to verses 211, Paul had in mind. So, he's trying to tell us, we got to be honest. Take a quick evaluation of your life. Based on what I said describes maturity. Be honest with yourself. Do you have integrity? Become a buzzword. And so the response to that is always the church is full of hypocrites. I don't want to go there because the pastor's a hypocrite. Pastor did this, he did that, this person did this. I know so-and-so who goes there, and blah, 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 the whole thing. You know, I can't go there because of the hypocrites. But then you get down to, in the text here where it says this. Work out your salvation to work out your salvation. What? Because what I've always learned is this. Faith is by sight and by God's grace. It's not by works. So why would Paul in prison, he was actually under house arrest, why would he tell the Christians in his writings back to the church at Philippi? In order to totally understand the text, you've got to understand this. Epaphroditus has left Philippi and, and traveled all the way to Rome to encourage the Apostle Paul who is in prison. It's not just a minor deal. I looked last night at several, several people's writings about Epaphroditus and his travels from Philippi to Rome, it's not like he was going to Allendale. It was 7,000-some meters, 
4,608 miles, it says. Well, that's not even possible. I couldn't go to bed. I kept getting up last night looking. How is this possible? Because my wife said, that's not possible. We were in bed. She whips out her phone, and I said, you don't trust me. I said, that's what I read online, that it's 4,608 miles. And she just, she's like, I got to check it for myself. I said, you're worried that I'm going to look like a fool. You should have started that years ago. <laughs> and we laid there in bed and had this conversation. This guy, Epaphroditus, came all the way from Philippi and went all the way to Rome. And even if he went across the Mediterranean Sea, if you look at Philippi, it's a part of Greece, present-day Greece. And he traveled all the way back to Rome. I'd say this. If I said nothing else this morning, I want him for my friend. I want him for my friend. Yes, I do. He went all the way from there back to Rome with one goal in mind. And even if he traveled 700 miles or across the sea, which I don't know if it's possible, if it is that far, I can't even understand that because we don't have those kind of friends nowadays. You know what our culture is used to? If I don't like to, I don't talk to you. I don't answer your text. I don't write to you. I shun you. Should everybody in the room be shunned? Do you deserve to be shunned? Most of you, you need a major shunning. Yeah? By the grace of God, we've all sinned and got redeemed. He bought us back. But we think we're so much better than the other guy. I'm not speaking to him because he did this, that, or the other thing. I'm not talking to her because did you hear what she did? And God is saying this, I redeemed them. Stop talking about them. See, we actually get energy from God. That's what work means, energy. Energy from God. And we know that in all things, the Bible says, all things work together for good to them that love God. So that there won't be all these immature fights going on in the church. And so that a person actually acts like a mature Christian. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. He says this, do everything without griping and complaining and arguing. It's going on in our church right now. It's in every church. Years ago, somebody coined this phrase. The devil works right above the choir loft and the ladies' missionary society. This has destroyed more churches than anything. Oh, yeah. Come on now. God, you've got to convict someone in the room. Because we just love to talk. Your family thinks you're a busybody. Your own family thinks you're a busybody. You love to talk because you want reductionism to take place where you take that person down to this level so you feel better about yourself. But Paul actually says this. He sends this letter back to Philippi saying, do everything without griping and complaining and work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why should I work out my salvation with fear? Because it's the, only the grace of God that has saved me. 
Yes, yes. Are you listening to me? Only the grace of God keeps me on from day to day. I have no business to analyze anybody else's salvation and say they're not saved. He shouldn't be doing this and she shouldn't be doing that when you, by the grace of God, are making it by the skin of your teeth in God's grace. Amen? Amen. That's the truth. But we're still going to do it. They're going to walk out today. I don't like him. I don't really want to go there. I'm not learning the Bible. Well, that's a good one. What did I just read? You know, all the excuses are as old as possible. You are to continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's what I happen to think. A lot of people end up becoming apostates. Yes. Yes, they do. And you know how when it starts? When they lose the fear of God and forget that big daddy loves us enough to spank us. You listening? No, many of you aren't. It says in Philippians 3, the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform the body of a, our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that is even to, the sub, to subject all things unto himself. That's what he wants. I ask you this morning, what is your joy chained to? You don't have any joy right now. You've come today by some miracle, but the joy is gone completely. You used to love serving God, and now you expect to get paid for everything. You used to love the Word of God, and now you expect that when you come to church, all I'm going to talk about is your dreams and your destiny. You're not going to be happy no matter what your dreams are if Jesus is not first in your life. Would you agree? You're not going to get healed of something unless Jesus is first and you actually believe it. The Christian life gets harder and harder all the time. It doesn't get easier. It gets harder, doesn't it? Uh, the, the people I know that are really mature Christians are the ones that have all these things coming at them all the time. They've been tested, and they still stay with God. Don't they? No matter what, they stick with God. You can either let your change break you, you can rise within and let your praise break your chains. You need something right now from God. You know you do. You've been praying about something. You need to rise above it right now and say, I'm going to trust God to break these chains because they're killing me. I'm going to trust God to rise above my situation and because I know God can do anything, can't he? How many people have experienced a miracle in the last week? You'd consider it a miracle. Raise your hand high. About five or six over here. How many over here? In here, no one. Miracleless group. Oh, you got one, Davina. Ed got one. Anybody? He went to the miracle he got was he went to Chick Fil A and, and the food was good. He was he was he put it online this week. There were people laying on the sidewalk outside Chick Fil A. What were they saying, Ed? Animal liberation in Toronto. Animal liber. Only way to set them free is to have them for dinner. And I'm not talking about inviting them over to my house. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Animal liberation is just insane. It's crazy. This is what I experienced. I have a lot of experience with chickens. It was my job to feed them on the farm. And this is my experience. If you go in there at sundown and it's getting dark, 
and the door would open and would creak when I'd go into the hen house and, the, and the, the place where they lay the eggs was clear on the other side. They're all on the rafters and they're going, as soon as he comes in, bop, 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 bomb him. Suckers are letting it go like crazy. I'm not kidding. They deserve to be eaten. Oh, yeah. Chick-fil-A is setting the cows free, not the chickens. You know that's true, isn't it? Eat some chicken today. Save a cow. That's a good response. But Ed says they're laying on the sidewalk. They don't have a cause. They have no cause. They're looking for something to join to, aren't they, guys? They have no cause. They have no purpose. I'm glad that I have a purpose to live today. His name is Jesus. Say his name. His name is freeing. It is so liberating. There is so little love in our churches anymore. It's all about, should we discipline him out? We should talk about him. He did this. She did that. Henry Newman said this, love practiced among people who love poorly. Love practiced among people who love poorly. That is the definition of forgiveness. Let it go today. Rise above. Let it go. Let it go right now. Release it. Get into yourself. I'm feeling good right now. You know you want to. Yes, you, you do. You know you want to. Because when you forgive that person, you get free. You get free. You literally feel like a new person. Forgive your parents. Forgive your kids. Forgive your spouse. Remember this, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Key words are in you. The greatest gift God gives is the ability to choose. And you can choose to set other people free. I'm going to flip over because I need to be finishing up here. You need to rise beyond all of it. The NET Bible translates this phrase in verse 12 as continue working out your salvation with awe and reverence. How many people think you're saved by the blood of the Lamb this morning? You've accepted Christ as your Savior. He is powerfully at work in your life. Raise your hand. Know that I'm not even going to look around because I don't want to embarrass anyone. But you know this. You can put them down. You know this. You know this. You know this. You know this. There is power in the name of Jesus, is there not? There is power in the blood of Christ, is there not? Yes. There's power. God wants to use his power for what you need it for today. He's at work in you, all around you, but certainly in you. We don't often understand what it says in Philippians 3.21, the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things unto himself. I, it's, um, I forget his last name. He was the news anchor on Channel 13 for many years. And he died this week at 66 years old. Now I know that most of you think he lived a full life. That's old. But I'm 68. So I look at it differently. It's all a matter of perspective. Let me just say this to everyone who's caught up in some addictive behavior today. You start it when you're young and think, I don't care. 
I can drink all these energy drinks I want. I can smoke and it won't harm me. I can do this and it won't harm me. I can smoke weed every night. It won't harm me. I can get drunk every week and it won't harm me. But I'm here to say this. It will catch up with you. Will it not? Yes, it will. My wife and I sit in the car this morning. It will catch up with you and it will destroy you. The world is wrong about this. Sin destroys. It kills. It kills people we love. Bible says this, we cannot have God's peace without God's priorities. We are to do everything without complaining or arguing. So Paul's in prison. Epaphroditus has traveled all this distance to come and talk to Paul. And if you study the text at all and look at the background, you find this. Epaphroditus got deathly sick and almost died when he was in Rome. Well, if he came across the Mediterranean Sea, I've been on the Mediterranean Sea. It is very rough. He was so sick, the text says, that he almost died, but he cared that much about Paul. You know, when I was away from God at 21 years old and wanted to commit suicide, in an entire year, not a single friend contacted me. That's killing the body of Christ. We're so busy and self-consumed that all we care about is ourselves. The story is told of two brothers who were well-known around town for their crooked business dealings and their underworld connections. They were as mean, as, as cold-blooded as you can imagine. And eventually one of the brothers died, and the surviving brother wanted to give his brother a funeral fit for a king. He called the funeral home, and he made all the arrangements. Then he called the town's minister and made him an offer. He said, I will give you $10,000 to put that new roof on the church if in eulogizing my brother you call him a saint the minister agreed the whole town turned out for the funeral and the minister began the man who you see in the coffin was a vile debauched dirty filthy liar a thief a deceiver a manipulator a reprobate and a hedonist he destroyed the fortunes, careers, and lives of countless people in the city, some of whom are here today. This man did every dirty, rotten thing you can think of. But compared to his brother, he was a saint. Isn't that it? Woo, come on now. Wow. Wouldn't it be nice? If everyone out there said all nice, rosy things about us, but I'm here to say this. If you're making any kind of impact at all, you will have people who don't like you. Are you, are you with me? You will have people that you work with that you'll... I, I think it's just, I know I bring politics into my messages and makes people mad. I can't even believe our culture and what is happening. I, I, I can't even fathom what is going down right now as we sit in this place. Christians, we are on the verge of losing all of our freedoms. One of the fathers in the church sent me a test that his son had, a quiz that his son had in Hudsonville High School this week. He actually sent me all of the questions that were on the test. The father was very concerned and so he called the teacher. To, she said, well, it's something that we are given online and tell, told that this is what we're supposed to teach in this class. And the last question on the test was about 
God. And it, it basically said this. You understand that the God of the Jews, the Christians, and the Muslims is the same God, but just has different names. Is that correct? Would you say no? Would you get mad? Oh, I guarantee you there are people in the room that go, I'm going to find out. I'm going to Hudsonville High School as soon as, tomorrow as soon as. And I'm going to find out. I, I guarantee oh, that Hudsonville would never do that. It's a good, clean place with good, clean people who eat off the street. Please. A good, clean place with good, clean people. I don't know of any place like that anymore. We're all sinners. The only way we're clean is saved by the grace of God, and his righteousness gets applied to our account. Otherwise, we're all pigs. Yeah, that's fact. That's the truth. We don't deserve what God has given us, do we? And so we are subtly being told lies about what we believe, and we're not supposed to say anything about it. And they're, they're just going to have a confiscation of all of our guns, certain kinds of guns. No, they want your guns, period. And if I tell you not to give them up, everybody in the community says, we told you, you're the devil. Are you giving up your guns? Listen, the kids are on the sidewalks cheerleading for the chickens. These are the people that are in charge. Isn't that kind of scary? Um, if, if you're in that group, you should go home, make a sign today, and go down to Kentucky Fried. Well, I'm having my $5 filler-up box. <laughs> Don't you like chicken? <laughs> I can't even believe it. It's so crazy. Free the chickens. And now, have you noticed? We bought some Jimmy Dean sandwiches at Costco. They're little breakfast sandwiches. They got an egg and sausage and a bun. Don't leave them in the microwave too long. They get rubbery. My wife said 90 seconds defrost and 50 seconds cooking. Rubber. Okay, anyway, back to the sandwiches. I'm looking at the box to decide how long I'm supposed to cook it. It says cage-free Chickens provided these eggs, and everyone should applaud. Yay! We set the chickens free. How about the babies that are being murdered? How about a few people getting stirred up over the abortion rate around the world and what they're doing with the parts from the babies to make money? Yeah, you know it's happening as we sit here. God tells us that we're supposed to shine like the stars. You're the light of the world. The city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on the stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise the Father in heaven. Woo! I mean, that is powerful, powerful stuff. He wants us to shine like the stars and live above and beyond the fray of the world. 
to actually speak up, speak out, stand for something that actually means something, right? Speak up about things that actually mean something. Start being the person of grace in the church instead of the person who's talking all the time and stirring up trouble. And let's see what happens in Rock Church. Let's see what happens when we start shining like the stars of heaven and letting our light so shine that the world sees the Father and says, I want what they have. I want what he has. I want what she has. God wants to free you. Let's close our eyes a moment. He wants you to rise above. Rise above your circumstances. They've got you weighed down, and God is saying, I want to lift the load for you. You need special prayer right now because, because there's something that is so heavy, you, you need prayer about it. You need somebody to literally anoint you with oil and pray over you. But before you even get there, you've got to ask yourself, am I truly a child of God? Am I going to heaven when I die? How many could say yes? Yes, that's me. I'm going to heaven when I die. I'm positive. Raise your hand once, once more. I want to see. I want to look around this time. Okay. You're positive, okay? Look like most everybody, but maybe you're in here today and it's your day to find out whether you're actually going to heaven or not. You raise your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor. I really want this to be my day. I don't know, but I want to know. Anyone in the room? You could think this is redundant that we would do this every week, but you'd be surprised. Yes, there's, there's a couple right up here. Nick and Becky, can you come? Right here. They want to know. They got their hands up. You could, you could know today. Christians, are you praying? I'm asking you seriously. Are you praying right now? Because there's more people. There are more. There, don't, don't be embarrassed or ashamed. You could talk to them. They'll, they'll explain it to you. It's good. Keep your heads bowed. I want to respect people's privacy. Are they your family? Friends. Look up here. This is about the time you think, I don't know, you just feel like, because sometimes I just feel this, what I'm saying is so mumble jumble, you know, I'm, I'm like, God, you have to put this together. Somebody gets saved. Are they married? Just together? Thank you. For inviting me. This is exactly how it works. Are they both of your friends? Or? We went to Catholic Church together. She's known her since fourth grade. A lot of other stuff, right? Physical, physical stuff. He asked us to pray for her. When was, when was that? Months ago. Listen, I tell people this all the time. You've got to stay here just for another couple minutes. I tell this to people all the time. Have you given up too early? 
Have you given up too early on something that God is saying, don't give up? They had the courage. I got chills. Actually, both raised their hand. They don't even know what that means, I'm sure. If they were raised in Catholicism, so was I as a kid. My mom was a Catholic. People, I'm telling you, we're giving up too soon. Yes. There's something right out there within reach. That's months ago they got prayed for. He cared enough to ask prayer for them. And now, after all that time, they've come to church. And you could say what you want. You could say whatever you want to say. This is something I know to be true. You didn't come of your own free will. You came because God brought you. Would you agree? You came because God wanted you here today because the, the, the sermon was not just for that couple. It was somebody else that needs to rise above some circumstances out there and believe God. And not gonna, you're not going to quit. You're not giving up. Correct? Am I right? I am totally convinced God is not interested in your sin. He's interested in a real relationship with you. Totally. Yes, he is. He's interested in your healing physical. Who in this room has something physical that you must, you must continue to give it to God because it hasn't been healed yet? Raise your hand. Raise your hand all over the room. There's a whole bunch of people. It hasn't been taken care of. Leave them up. I want to see. Everybody should see your hands up. There's a physical need that you should not give up on. Yes. There's about 25 people in this room. I pray in Jesus' name right now that something would supernaturally start to turn around. Yes. And you promise to come back to God and praise him when it happens. Correct? Yes? Yes. Here that couple comes after months because they care enough to invite them. That's exactly what the church is for. Yes, it is. It's exactly what the church is. Thank you, Susan, for agreeing with me. You don't even realize how you can be an encouragement to me by disagreeing during the service. Because we're two or three are knit together like that, something's going to happen. It's, 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 I am telling you, something is happening. Didn't, didn't something happen for you, Chad, this week? Something good? Something good happened because we were expecting it to happen. Because I was praying for it to happen. Yes, you've got to pray and believe. Is there anybody else in the room that has the courage right now at this very second, no matter what time it is, forget that. You need to be saved. You don't know that you'd go to heaven when you die. And you don't care what anybody thinks. You want to find out right now. Anyone else in the room? Put your hand up. Anybody? Everybody else in the room is praying that you'll, you'll do this, correct? And then after you get saved, if you don't think for one second, the enemy's going to try to steal you back. Woo. Listen to me. God wants you and the enemy wants you worse. He wants to pull you back into your old life and, and destroy your life. This person who I said contacted me and just said, he's got a tether on now, blah, 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 blah. He's got to use a breathalyzer to drive. He said, I said, I wish you could be here today. And he said, I wish so bad that I could be there because he knows this. Walking with God brings peace, doesn't it? Walking with God brings peace. If you're mad at me, tell me and we, we, can, we can 
make it right. If you're mad at someone else, get it right with them so that God can do the work he wants to do in and through you. Amen? You pray for that couple right now as they're back there, right? Pray for them that they come into the, the kingdom of God. And I hope that you have an awesome day. Before you get up and leave, we have a lot of things coming up. We gave you a card today because the every Monday night is men's Bible study in here. You can start fresh now this fall by coming and being a part of the guys group. Every Monday night, you'll make friends. Every Wednesday night, the ladies meet in the same way, and that'll be changing slightly because we're going to try to go for more ladies coming again. The first um, Wednesday of the month, the ladies will be having worship in here with music. So we want, we want ladies to connect with other ladies and make friends. So come out on Wednesday nights or Wednesday morning, ladies Bible study that's a little more small and intimate. Tonight, Awana starts. If you have small children, Awana is amazing. Wouldn't you agree? Your kids will learn scripture verses. They'll have an amazing fun time. And that starts tonight at what time, hon? 3.45. Tonight, something new starts. I'll be meeting in here with everybody who feels like you'd like to go further in your understanding of Christ. And it'll actually be uh, an hour time taught by me on becoming a disciple of Christ. You'll have a book. We'll do it together. We'll have a good time studying, and I guarantee you'll grow. We are having a married couple's thing coming down the road. Then in about a month, on the weekend of October 5th, I think it is, should be on the card, um, we have Hillbilly Hollow. Because it's tooth-picking time in False Teeth Valley. And all the ladies take them false teeth out at night. In the summer, in the evening, by the moonlight, they just pick them store-bought teeth with all their might. That and many other songs will bless you. If you were up here, if you were up here, I, I'm, I mean, I'm willing to put my reputation on the line. And there's still people out there. Stupid. Stupid. Get free. Get out of the cage. New, new, new series should be cage-free Christians. <laughs> we should use that as our motto on the bottom of all of our literature. Cage-free Christians. All right, I'm hoping you're having an awesome day today. See you later.